Hello and welcome back to the Schooner Pod. I'm your host, Bobby Howard. With me today, as always, we got Jameson Maxwell. And Jameson, um, it today, today was a day that we had uh, kind of earmarked a big day. Williamson where he, um, announced his, uh, his he, he committed, but uh, not to the Oklahoma Sooners, which we had kind of thought uh, he had been pretty highly, uh, at, at times, Highly uh, predicted to go to OU, uh, the number one defensive line pro- uh, prospect in the country. Um, but uh, as a lot of people kind of caught on towards the uh, towards the end of this process, starting in yesterday, uh, everything kind of came in, started flipping to Missouri, his home his uh, home state, Missouri Tigers, um, and he committed to Missouri over the likes of uh, Oklahoma, Georgia. Um, Tennessee and Oregon. So, James, so Jameson, uh, we're just getting straight to the Cruden corner. It's it's somber time, so we don't even we probably don't even need to play the Borat music yet. Um, <laughs> that's so, that's only for happy music. This, or I guess, it's also sad music. But this is just we're not there yet. We'll get there one day. I, I need to bring back the sad Borat clip. You <laughs> yes, know, where, yes. Yeah, that that uh, we used after uh, Lincoln left. But uh, enough <laughs> chatter. Um, Tell us about what happened with uh with uh Williams Nwari and you know essentially what just what what went down. See, here's the thing. You talked about just earlier, like over the likes of Oklahoma and Georgia and Tennessee. He said with his own mouth today, he he's choosing choosing Missouri over Georgia. So that is meaning that Oklahoma was third place. And I know that has gotten a lot of fans upset. And okay, we can read into it. Does it sound a little bit better whenever you chose Missouri over Georgia? Yeah. Did we really come in third? Mm, I'm not buying that too much. I think really what it came down to it, it was between OU and Missouri. But there's also rumors going around. I don't know how much is this just the Gooner sphere um, that he told Missouri two weeks ago. And I'm honestly not surprised of it. When it comes down to Missouri's NIL, is just too hard to pass up. This is a guy that wants to stay close to home. That was his biggest thing. Another reason why I don't think Georgia's number two. Um, he wants to stay close to home. That's part of the reason he's going to Missouri. And the law passed by Missouri, the state, giving you know in-state commits the right to get NIL deals um, through Missouri's college before even attending. It's just too good of an offer to pass up. So I understand it. Right. And I think that 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 Missouri law that was passed where you can get it after signing your national letter of intent, um, that's that has to be a factor. And I mean, we've seen this before where Missouri comes in, drops a massive bag on an in-state guy and is able to keep them. Uh, so, you know, we saw it with Luther Burden. We're seeing it again with Williams and uh, Not sure if that's a good strategy for team building frankly, just putting all of your chips into one basket, but uh, here you go. You got another five star. So um, that's a whole other talk uh, conversation for another time as, as to whether or not Drinkowitz is uh, doing the right thing here, but it certainly made a splash uh, PR wise, definitely made a, a, a pretty big splash in favor of the Missouri Tigers. I um, think it's absolutely the right thing, Bobby. And I'm kind of tired of hearing this like mantra from OU sports. It's almost like a defense mechanism. They're like, they're like, I don't know if this is the right move from Missouri to spend all this money. And I understand there's some, you know, people 
from other like reporting sites. And I think Sooner Scoop is talking about like it could be up like 700, 750,000 range, which is astronomical. You know, you look at like the on three NIL um, evaluations for guys like that and what they predict, it's not even close in the same conversation. Um, but it, come on, if you have an opportunity to get the number one overall player in the country, according to on three, the number one overall player in the country, you do it. It's as simple as that. They're like, oh, Missouri wasn't that good last year. They should be, you know, dividing their money to get like smaller players to actually have a good team. No, this is a huge splash thing for donors to be excited about, put in even more money um, to get Drinkwitz's job, you know, a little bit safer because he has to stay there because he has a like developed relationship with Williams. And then, and then the third thing, I guarantee you the fans will get more excited about the number one overall player in the country compared to, I got, you know, a couple of transfer portals, one from Louisville, but this guy shows promise and we divided up the money. No, uh-uh. they're, they're trying to keep up with the SEC mantra and Missouri notes are lagging behind and they're trying to make moves right now and they're doing the right thing and they're doing a hell of a job. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think, I think really more than anything, it's a PR move. Uh, obviously you have a massive, like really great player. That's obviously huge, but from a team building perspective, they jumped 17 points in the on three rankings to like 40. So they're not exactly just doing insane great work, but the amount of headlines they got, the amount of positive press they got that they were able to pull something like this off, you know, that's a big deal. Now they actually have to go in, get wins. Uh, obviously they've done some work in the portal getting in, uh, I believe like Theo Weiss, for example. Um, so they, they actually have to get wins on the field. Uh, Drinkowitz is kind of up against the wall here a little bit uh, in terms of the hot seat. It's just kind of the nature of the SEC. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I don't think it's a negative, but I don't, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's an interesting brave new world situation where we haven't really, we've only been doing this NIL thing for like a couple of years. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I I don't I don't I don't know how it'll pan out, uh, especially if Drinkowitz gets gets canned, gets gets sacked. Uh, then you know we'll we'll, we'll see how that goes. Do, will you be able to have staying power? But uh, I think right now, at least, it's definitely definitely a pretty flashy deal and a, a, a PR wise, massive positive for Missouri, who uh, really hasn't had many wins in in the public public in the sphere of public opinion, uh, pretty much since pretty much since making the SEC championship when they did. Yeah. Yeah. And let's not forget, they also had the same record as OU last year. So if we're going to play like this game, you know, also OU had a really down season last year, but here's the thing. Like this isn't just going to be Williams, no one, at the top and no one else. They probably will also get Ryan Wingo, like top 25 player in the country, wide receiver, another Missouri kid too, keeping guys in state. And, you know, that wide receiving core, you know, Luther Bird and Theo Weiss. Um, I guess I, Luther Burden might be gone, but um, uh, that they're still developing a pretty good uh, wide receiver room uh, by that time. So I guess William, uh, Luther Burden would be a sophomore this coming year, right? Because he was a no, he was a 2022 recruit. So he is. So yes. So he should be able to play. But what I'm trying to get at here is they're they're making moves in state. And it's working, and it shouldn't just be Nwaneri only in this class. They're gonna have a good class overall, and that it's you can tell they've got one of the better NIL kind of deals in the whole country. Teams like Georgia can't even compete with that. 
Um, they've got a lot of money that they're trying to pump into this football program, and I'm curious to see how that results. Yeah, and I think we can go ahead and say as well, I don't think this is an issue with OU's and IL initiative. You know, it wasn't, it was obviously you want to win these. You, you have to be frustrated if you're, if you're, you know, Todd Bates and you have to be a little pissed off that this didn't work, but I don't think it's because the NI bell wasn't, or NI, NI, NIL bag wasn't good enough. Um, we've, we've out competed, you know, pretty big ones in the past uh, in this off season uh, to say the least. So I, I think if, if you're an OU fan, this isn't quite, worthy of the doom and gloom that i think uh some people are reacting and you know it's ou uh we we know this fan base um people freak out all the time uh but i i don't think this is that big of an indictment on ou's uh nil collective situation at all mm -hmm. yeah and i think you know ou's honestly what we've seen and what we've heard from the inside is ou's been doing a really darn good job um with nil so it's just hard to compete, we know, with this big, big offer that Missouri is coming through. And obviously, I see a lot of people in the chat and then people like on social media. It's like we had almost a similar story last year with David Hicks. Texas A&M's bags the past couple of years before that were extremely large. It is hard to keep up with that. You're going to have losses. But does it sting whenever you're losing a five-star defensive lineman for the past three years as a team like Oklahoma who needs those guys? Defensive line and offensive line are the most important positions in college football, um, in my opinion. I even think that's more important than a quarterback sometimes. And yep. defensive line, one defensive lineman can change a good team to an elite team. And yeah, oh, one defensive lineman isn't going to win you a national championship. But still, if you have really solid pieces around, then you have a superstar interior defensive lineman. Those edge rushers are going to look a whole lot better. And so this is a big time, big time get. But, you know, last year, David Hicks, we thought we had him in the bag. Goes to Texas A&M. We still held out hope for the whole, the whole season. I think it could be a similar thing with the Winery where people are going to be talking about, can we pull him? You know, Missouri might sputter a little bit at the beginning of the season. I, I mean, I don't know if he's going to go back from this. And then the same thing, like we got Dendy. Don't forget about Dendy in 2022. Like that also hurt at the end of the season, losing him. You know, obviously there are some other scenarios that went into that decision of Dindy leaving us, but that's three five-star guys in a row that we lost. And it just sucks. It really, really does suck. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, without a doubt, it sucks. It's, 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 it stings. It's big. It, it, it it's it, not only is it, is it bad, but it like with the how, um, Brent Venables likes to run his defense. You need guys of this size and you can't teach that. You can't teach that size. You can't teach that speed. And you just need a certain, you need to excel on the recruiting tra uh, track to be successful in this uh, defensive scheme. Thankfully, Jameson, I, you know, OU still has several targets and I, I want to kind of pivot to kind of talking about OU a little bit more um, and what we can do next. And I think to me, the guy that, if we bust on David Stone, it's like, it is, it, it's bad, bad. Uh, not only is he an in-state guy, um, obviously he you know, went out to the IMG Academy in, in Florida, but he's, he's an Oklahoman. Um, if we bust on him, it's, it's bad, bad. Uh, yeah. I mean, Sooners, Sooners like still projected, but I mean, is it, is it, is it unreasonable for me to be worried about this? Because I, I don't know. I'm, like the competition, it's like Michigan State, Miami, etc. 
but we've been burnt so many times. Like, can mm-hmm. we can we just get one win on the D line, please? Yeah, I think a lot of people are hurt right now with Nguyenary because there's, you know, obviously different recruiting sites that were pushing a lot of sunshine. And I know a lot of them were. And a lot of people are pissed off at the OU insiders. You know, they went on a limb and they were, you know, heavily suggesting that it was OU. Obviously, their sources are probably going to be OU people. And OU people, for the most part, in close battles, which this is probably a close battle, came down to even a couple of weeks ago. He moved back his decision date a week. He was thinking about he was going to commit on August 7th, moved it back even a little bit farther. Obviously, the OU guys are going to be a little bit more optimistic that Nguyenary is going to come to OU versus Missouri. So, I mean, I'm not going to damn the OU insiders too much. It's part of the business. You expect them to be 100% in all their predictions now. So it sucks, but I'm not going to get mad at them. Um, but in terms of pump and sunshine, I mean, people are going to be like, I don't believe what anyone says anything um, anymore about David Stone. And David Stone has just been mainstay. And I, every single time we've talked about him for the past year and a half, two years, like however long we've been talking about him, Bobby, I'm like, I'm not worried about what he puts on Twitter. This guy's playing the game. He's always going to play the game. He's going to talk about other schools. But if you go and you look like the meaningful talk and like the the relationships that he's made and how much he loves this state of Oklahoma. I just don't see a scenario where he's going to go anywhere else other than here. This place means so much to him. And I think he knows that he would be a perfect fit in this program. You know what? No didn't like choose in terms of Todd Bates and Chavis. He still realized that that was probably the best coaches that he was being recruited by. Um, but the external factors went out in that recruiting bottle. You know, David Stone knows, like, you know, Todd Bates is a guy who puts people in the league and he has, you know, one of the best reputations of any kind of defensive line coach in the country. And I just, I'm not going to be nervous about Stone. People can be nervous. That's totally fine because you're broken. You've gotten broken three years in a row now with five-star defensive linemen. That's totally fine. I'm not going to be nervous about it because I just feel that he's a true Oklahoma. He bleeds like, you know, crimson. And I, I feel like he would come here. And if he doesn't, I will worry about that then. I'm not going to lose sleep over him until he commits. And that will be August uh, 26th is the date. So you only have 12 more days. You have to wait for it. Right. And yeah, now now I wouldn't refer to what this podcast is going to be as a doom pod. Uh, some people are doom podding all over the place. <laughs> but if, if look, if, if Stone doesn't go to you, that would actually be a doom pod for sure. Yes. Um, because that would be... Every single factor seems to go the right way. And yeah, I obviously he's been playing the game, you know, holding out and all that. But especially after Williams Nwari uh, didn't commit to OU, you have to know that OU bag is coming strong and coming correct. Like he's going to get paid properly. Uh, you have the hometown factor. You have the coaches. It's it, it, The answer is just so clearly OU. Um, so... I mean, I, I really hope hope that's the case. It's one of those where the logic, everything in my head, I'm like, yeah, he's going to go to OU. He, he's, a, he's a sooner lock. But, you know, there's just that bit in the back of your head, that, that little, little anxiety troll just telling me that things are going to go horribly wrong. See, uh, that's a you problem. That's not a <laughs> David Stone problem. And no, I'm it's say that to all the OU fans louder in all of the comments and all of these message boards. 
If you guys are worried about David Stone, this is more of a you problem than a logistics and actual David Stone problem. I mean, I, it, I have, it's not Stone. Like Stone is Stone's doing his thing. That's fine. You know, obviously that's the way Venables wants it to be done. Is you know, recruit, see what's out there, and then commit. But ooh, yeah, no, I don't, I don't know. We just, I think we just kind of need to get that one, and then we can, mm-hmm. we can be set. Because even like smaller wins, like you know Derek LeBlanc, you know not not even getting to see him on on you know on the field, him leaving before uh leave before fall camp, that sucked. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's like we haven't even gotten to see it translate onto the field yet, really. Yeah, it's totally agreed, and I I, I really I'm not gonna worry too much about Stone. I'm gonna say that one more time. I'm not gonna worry too much about Stone. He's the number seven player in the country according to like the on three industry combined rankings. So even though losing Nonary as the number one player on on three. Number seven, defensive lineman is still a pretty damn good deal. Um, uh, so looks like in the comments, got a question. Oklahoma boy who wants to go play high school in Florida, worried about a sign? No. <laughs> no this, if you have an opportunity to go to IMG Academy, you go there. It's I, he, play, he was playing at Dell City, and he got that offer. IMG Academy is the most unbelievable program in florida and the amenities and the opportunity you get there is second to none yes he would still be recruited as highly and still be rated as highly as he was if he was at dell um dell city right now and it probably wouldn't change too much about his oklahoma um connection uh but him going over there he gets so many more resources and i don't know what his home life is like here versus what's not but in Bradenton, Florida, it's a pretty darn good life. So I do not think that him going to Florida for high school shows any kind of like, I don't like Oklahoma. Now, I, you can tell just through the way he talks about the state and how much he talks about the state, how much the state means to him. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. we're not going to fault the guy for going to what what is basically football Hogwarts, you know. Uh, right. It, yeah. It's not like he just it's not like he moved to a, a different other random Florida school. IMG is more than just Florida. Um, it's th- this is not an issue. I don't think uh, I, I understand where 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 uh, uh, Sooner Fan Hawk is coming from. But, you know, I, I, if, I like if there was an IMG yeah. Academy in Oklahoma and in Florida. Uh, he would go to the Oklahoma one. It's yeah. as simple as that. And the thing is with colleges, you know, Oklahoma has a lot of resources and the schools that he's going against um, that we're going against with him have a lot of resources like Miami, like people are worried about with him. Um, but guess what? We're on an even playing field. There's just no other, you know, football program in the country like IMG. Right. Right. Agreed. Uh, do we want to move on to uh, some other prospects that could really yeah. help this class? Yes, let's go. Just let's talk about the defensive line because everyone wants to hear about that. Like, what is our contingency plan when it comes down to losing Nwaneri? And the thing is, Nwaneri is always going to be a take. We are going to go for these other guys, even if we got him. We would make room for Nwaneri, even if we fill our class and he somehow wants to flip his commitment. Something goes crazy at Missouri and he comes back to Oklahoma. We will always have a spot for him. But let's talk about kind of like the other defensive linemen in this class that we're going to be going hard for. Um, I'll kind of start um, with Danny Okoye. Like this is a kid from Oklahoma, the number one player in Oklahoma by many pro um, recruiting sites. And Noah Homeschool, Tulsa guy. And we, um, I feel like we didn't have much momentum with him early in his process. Might have been a little bit late to the party. Um, but he was at party at the Palace. 
So people started getting really, um, you know, maybe we could get him. I'm feeling kind of confident. Um, but it just seems like Tennessee and Texas have kind of been the leaders here. And I'm not too optimistic in him. Yes, kind of like what you were saying, Bobby. We have NIL money available. Could we push that and to try and get him? You know, as an analogy, whenever we were trying to get Anton Harrison to stay last year instead of going to the draft, I'm glad he went to the draft side note um, because it's a first-round pick, but we had a lot of money left over. You know what we did with that? We went through and got a big fish, Walter Rouse, in the portal, a guy that we didn't think we were going to get, and now he's our starting left tackle going into the fall as we approach it. So, yes, you can move over money, and if everything's money, yeah, you will have a better chance with Okoye, but it seems like we're working a little bit from behind here. And he's not an interior defensive lineman either. He's going to be strictly edge, but still just another name to report in terms of guy that I want to watch his recruitment and see how things progress. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as we, as, as we know from how the sport has you know evolved and changed, edge rushers make some damn money you know look just mm -hmm. look at will anderson you know what what he what he's done the uh, the prospects we have for pj Adebuare, how excited we are with him so yeah that would be that'd be pretty big time mm -hmm. yeah and the other guy i feel like that's kind of we're working behind from and some people are still holding out hope for is dominic mckinley and i understand you know some of the recruiting experts i i was watching um sam spiegelman talk after the Nwineri thing and how that affects Oklahoma. And he's like, Oklahoma fans shouldn't worry too much because, you know, they're in on, you know, Dominic McKinley and David Stone. I just, from everything I've read about McKinley, he's a kid from Lafayette, Louisiana. And we say this all the time. We've been saying this for such a long time on this podcast when we talk about recruiting. Whenever you are a big-time prospect, five-star kind of guy, and you live in Louisiana – like there is a very set culture that it is very, you don't leave very few of them leave. And I just, especially us kind of feeling like we're behind here, that'd have to be a really, really steep up climb back uh, um, uphill battle. Um, so we're behind with LSU, but you never know. So just another name to think about as a chance, but I'm not saying like, Oh, we got, we didn't get into an area. So now I feel like we've got Dominic McKinley as a good shot too. Cause I feel like a lot of people have been talking like, Oh, you've got the three big names. You got stone McKinley and no um, chances we can get, you know, two of the three of them. I don't think that losing out on no gives us a better shot at getting McKinley. I agree. And I mean, like you said, you know, they don't like leaving the boot, you know, that is something that is, I mean, it's, it, it, it is a very, very real thing. Louisiana just locking their guys down. Um, and with Brian Kelly kind of getting things rolling, you know, that, that's, that's, there's plenty to be scared about there. Uh, so yeah, the optimism not high for that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the last one, um, which I feel like it's a guy that we haven't really talked about a lot, but he has an upcoming um, commitment date. Just something to watch is Nigel Smith. This is still a top 100 player in the country, you know, defensive lineman. Um, comes from like a basketball family. Like his dad's like massive human. He's a massive human kind of multi-sport athlete. September 8th state there. It's been all OU predictions for a long time. I'm curious to see if anything's changed because I feel like his recruitment has been pretty quiet because a lot of people in terms of defensive line recruiting at Oklahoma have been talking about the guys above him. 
I would figure that he's still an OU lean, but I feel like we're going to learn a lot more about his recruitment on whatever subscriber site you subscribe to these next couple of weeks with his date um, coming. Uh, just because he's been an OU guy for so long, I feel you know pretty decent with it. And if that's a guy that we still want, which I don't know why we wouldn't want a top 100 player in the country at defensive line, I understand not everyone just based their rankings off a of recruiting site. But this guy has so many physical tools that I don't get why he wouldn't be a take for Oklahoma. And hopefully good news would come on September 8th. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of optimism there. Um, obviously from, you know, Melissa, Texas, which, uh, for those who don't know, North Texas guy, uh, that is very much OU's territory. Um, so you would have to have a little bit of optimism there that, uh, this is, this is going to work out for the Sooners. Uh, so, and, and I feel to me, even though he is not, you know, like a five-star, you know, five-star plus plus whatever, uh, <laughs> type of guy, um, look, six, five, 260 D lineman. You that that that's good. Just mm-hmm. give them to give them to Bates. Let them cook. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I, I think I think that's the thing. It's because uh, as we mentioned, you can't teach six five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think kind of putting a bow on this recruiting talk and kind of looking at the defensive linemen. And I know a lot of people have been spiraling and looking at different downstream effects of this Nolanary thing. I think overall we can kind of just look at it like this. Let me just read a quote from Nolanary whenever he got interviewed um, talking about NIL. He says, NIL, it's a lot that goes into it. I try not to get distracted by it, but you have to take it into account. Some of these programs, it's a lot of money they're talking about. You have to take it into account. I'm not making, but I'm not making my decision based on that, but you definitely have to take it into consideration. It's going to play a factor, but it's not the main thing. This dude legitimately said, yes, it's NIL hedge. Yes, it's NIL hedge. Yes, it's NIL hedge, like three times throughout this quote. So yes, it is NIL with him primarily, but there are obviously some positives in the Missouri. I'm just not going to be listening to a lot of this. Oh, we could flip Nwaneri. It's going to, we're going to hear it for the next, what, four months. I'm not going to waste my brain cells on that until I hear it. Um, Actually get some legitimate steam. I'm not going to follow the, you know, the, the rabbit, like the Easter eggs, I almost called the rabbit eggs, (laughs) the the Easter eggs in, in um, comments. I'm not going to lose sleep about it. I'm just going to say, what can we do next? Right. Because there are plenty of, this is a very solid D line class. I feel like Mm -hmm. there are a lot of options and a lot of options that like Oklahoma. So hopefully it all works out. All right. Mm -hmm. Um, I, and, you know, best of luck to Nwari for sure. You know, like that's, mm-hmm. I, I think that's, you know, staying home. That's a good thing. Trying to build up your, uh, you know, local school. That's pretty cool. You know, obviously we, we're big, big on that with Stone. And, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I do want to ask just as like kind of a macro thing, because a lot of people have kind of brought this up, I think on tw- on three tweeted it. Do you think the, do you think NIL's adding parody to uh, college sports or do you think it's just making the rich richer? I think it adds parity um, because I feel like, you know, the big time programs were really good about finding ways to pay their players and keeping it under wraps. You know, I feel like, you know, a lot of these, you know, good programs, but not the elite of the elite, you know, like Kool-Aid McKinstry getting Nick Saban dealership cars and before all of the NIL. And obviously there's so many examples but they weren't getting penalized. But then you'd have teams that were kind of like 
tier B rather than the top tier get caught. Um, I think now that it's more legal and obviously there's still a little funny business on the side in terms of NIL and how you can kind of manipulate it into your favor. I think it allows for a lot of teams like Missouri who are not tier A or tier B college football programs to gather all of their alumni and gather their donors and get big time offers because there's plenty of money to be had in the Missouri alumni basis in the Missouri um, team. But maybe not all of them were a part of this underground, you know, like illegal, essentially um, paying NCAA athletes before NIL came along. Yeah, I would agree with that, but, you know, cause it, it, it is a different game. You know, you do have, you know, like, um, you know, Ebo's pizza in St. Louis getting involved in this, you know, and all the, and, uh, Stan Kroenke, which by the way, if you, uh, don't, don't support Stan Kroenke's teams, you know, like, uh, don't the Rams, the Nuggets, the Avalanche <coughs> Arsenal don't support them. You're just, you're just <laughs> funding Missouri and IL deals. So. Uh, just a little clearly clearly you will you'll you'll make the impact if you stop supporting this guy's them. already gotten too many w's just find another team at this point. exactly chill out stan <laughs> leave us alone please you, you, you pringles man pringles man looking dude get out of here we, yeah talking about looking cool. looking dudes um one, i guess another one quick thing before we move on we're going to talk about kind of like just ou moving into the into the fall um thoughts on the camel cargo shorts from Drinkwitz and the matching camo crocs uh, oh my god the drinkowitz look with the double with the the double camo and then jumping into whoever it was his arms like that like that's one the look is atrocious the, the camo cargos and, and all that that's just that that's not even like charming bad like you know how there's like charming bad and then there's just bad bad that felt bad bad because i don't think he was doing it ironically i think he just liked it yeah, uh, that's obviously his thing, and he probably got made fun of it enough to where he probably is leaning into it, and it's just who he is. He's probably just a big dweeb, and that's just who he is. Can that hold up in today's day and age and getting the respect of the kids? If you're winning, yeah, um, but um, let's see how much he's actually relating to them if they struggle, because I know his seat is very, very hot, and to be honest with you, Bobby, like with him not landing these recruits and developing relationships with them, like it makes me think like they could have another rough year this year. If they go ahead and get Wingo and Winery and they still won't fire him because it's just not worth it. Cause you have a chance of losing these guys that you worked for. So does that keep you in this mediocrity? If he really, truly his coaching is holding back this Missouri football team from being good. Like, is this just this cruel cycle where they just feel like they're just delaying the firing just because they keep getting good recruits, but then the recruits can't come to their full potential. And then all of a sudden they're just stuck in this purgatory. I don't know. Let's it's to be seen. So from what I've understood, he has a pretty hefty buyout. So they'll probably try to have that windle down a little bit. Well, obviously money's not a problem with them. Like they're, they're throwing away, throwing around some of the biggest bags right now in college football. For sure. No, I, I'm not saying that, you know, it would be a money thing, but it's like, well, you know, let's give him just a little bit longer of a leash, you know, just mm-hmm. see how it, it, I feel like that helps. If, if he was running low on that deal or if the contract wasn't, you know, as big as it is, yeah, then that's one thing. And, you know, I, I, I'm not sure we, we, Missouri hasn't been doing this, this for a long time. So we don't really know how they are in terms of having an itchy, tricky f- uh, finger on, 
uh, firing, you know, like I feel like mm-hmm. Texas A&M, they wouldn't care. They would get rid of that guy. <laughs> they, they would, they would pay it. No problem. Well, you, you say that right now. Yeah. But Jimbo. I, well, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, that's a good point. That is a good <laughs> point. Legitimately like, his buyout is a huge conversation right but now. When you, when you have a horse, I, I'm, I think, I think if he didn't have the number one class in 22, it, it would have been a lot worse. And I, I think things are, I think things are worse in Aggie land than, than they would let on. I think if he produces another year, like last year, he's probably out of there um, mm-hmm. or getting really close to out of there. But his, his recruiting has given him enough leeway to be like, Hey, look, I'm, I'm doing something here. Uh, mm. <laughs> there's uh, yeah. a joke. At, I'm not going to make the joke, <laughs> but <laughs> all right. I, I think, I think that's it for recruiting. If y'all join late, go ahead and just after the pod, if um, rewind, listen to our thoughts on no and the downstream effects that it's going to happen. But let's kind of talk about, we haven't gotten to talk about, you know, OU and their journey towards fall, kind of depth chart battles that are going on, injury things. Um, so I kind of want to hit on that. Let, let's talk yeah. about a, a couple of injury things yeah. that I, I feel like I kind of wanted to hit on that I thought were interesting. And just in terms um, of looking, uh, I feel like it was maybe about a month ago, they were, um, were talking about kind of injuries going into camp. Uh well, the one that piqued my interest the most is Jacob Lacey being out with blood clots. He looks like he's been working on the field, but is not be doing contact drills. And that just really kind of piques my interest a lot, Bobby, because if he has blood clots, so just you, you guys are going to hear a little sl- brief medical talk here. He's probably on blood thinners and when you're on blood thinners, he's probably on a short stint of blood thinners and you don't want to be getting hit whenever you're on blood thinners, they're waiting for those clots to go through. And then if you got hit in the thigh, that would be a big, big old bruise. And it could be very serious. So that's my thought process that if he's already practicing and he's moving around and not doing contact drills, I feel optimistic for him coming into the season, but there are some people, you know, that get blood clots and they're out for long times. You know, we talked about Jalen Redmond whenever he had blood clots. That was like a serious thing that took him out for a long time. Sam Hartman has a different kind of blood clotting disorder that I figure that's dealing with Jacob Lacey, but that took him out for a decent amount of time too. Um, Just something that now that I hear that he's on the field moving around, I feel like that I'm not too concerned. This is some kind of thing where he got a pulmonary embolism or like a blood clot in his lungs. I think that he just eventually found either like these things called deep vein thromboses um, that were in his legs uh, or maybe if he has like a hypercoagulability where he clots very easily, could have been in his arms that they found before it shot up to his lungs. Um, and uh, I, hopefully are just slowly going away with uh, um, anticoagulation. Yeah. I, you obviously know uh, way more about this than I do. Uh, <laughs> as someone who has a you know doctorate and everything. But no, I, I think that is that is a good sign because if mm-hmm. he is if it is a contact thing uh you know keeping him off it you know he, he it seems like right now he's working on conditioning that focusing on what he can actually focus on because you know obviously if it's contact related there's no need to have you know that risk of you know it, it increasing an injury for just practice you know i i feel like that's a thing you can kind of bring people back on uh, as you get closer to the season so mm-hmm. uh, yeah 
Yeah, and I and then another thing that I just saw today on um, message boards, DJ Graham. Did you hear the news about DJ Graham? I did not. A significant lower, like lower extremity injury, and will be out for a um, significant amount of time. Something that they said that might even take them into possibly discussing um, red shirt for this year. So Jesus. just doing the math on that, like they're thinking about this could be probably like a three month ish in injury. Um, with it being August 14th right now. And so that wouldn't make me think that this is an ACL that he tore. Um, but whenever you think of like three month in injuries, it could have been just a tiner, tiny meniscus tear, um, or it could be like a significant like MCL sprain. All in all, I don't feel like we'll see much of him this season um, just because with it being already August, any kind of quote significant injury is not going to come back. And if they do come back, it's going to be not in full form. Right. I mean, and I mean, we've seen guys come back super late and they just aren't quite there. You know, mm -hmm. being in football shape is a very, very real thing. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a bummer. You know, obviously DJ Graham, you know, making the move from, um, you know, uh, defensive back to a uh, uh, wide receiver. So that was already a pretty strong, you know, change, but, uh, being out, that's another setback and definitely a massive bummer. Yeah. I, I feel really bad for him. Um, but we'll continue to watch that, but hope for him the best because that wide receiver room, I understand we, whenever we talk about it, Bobby, we really don't say too much about DJ Graham just cause he almost kind of an afterthought, but I mean, it would have been fun to see him cause like, there's absolutely, you know, room to be had in that wide receiver two, wide receiver three area for him to come in and make some plays. I feel like a lot of the, um, talk out of camp as of recently, um, has been about Nick Anderson. Andrew Anthony is back now. I'm pretty sure he had an ankle injury that caused him to be out as of recently, but he, he was playing in the most recent, um, uh, scrimmage. And he, I think he caught two touchdowns in it, Andrew Anthony, but that really like him being out for a little bit is really allowed Nick Anderson to come through and play in that wide receiver spot across from Jalil Farouk. And I, he's a guy that I'm cheering for. Obviously, you know, the connection with Rodney Anderson, it seems like he's a hard worker and he's got the body, you know, to be a, a pretty good wide receiver in college football. So I feel like if there's a name to watch in terms of the wide receiver um, right now, it's Nick Anderson. Yeah. And that's what I've been hearing as well, uh, is that Anderson has been a pretty big force in camp, uh, especially kind of from like a leadership point of view, which is pretty awesome. You know, obviously uh, his brother's Rodney, great, great guy, um, great uh, leader as well, um, you know, at, in his time at OU. So really cool to see that. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a lot of that. That's really good stuff. And I, I think there is a natural bias to kind of liking legacies, but mm -hmm. that would be pretty cool to see him uh, do really, really well. Um, as for, as for Andrew Anthony though, I, 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 I'm, I'm pretty hyped about him. Uh, oh down yeah. The line. Uh, just some of those clips you see from Michigan, he didn't play a ton. He didn't get a ton of snaps, but you can see it. You can see, you can see the promise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And this is a guy when we were talking about in spring, like the guy that I was probably the most excited about. Um, and everyone was like, oh, he didn't get a big play in the spring game. He's still going to be making big plays during the season. You know, like I'm not concerned at all about that. Now that his, his ankle injury was just a little minor thing, he's back. I would still peg him if I'm trying to say what is going to be my wide receiver depth chart. He's wide receiver two for me.
And um, I feel like he probably has a pretty decent gap on that across from Jalil Farouk. And I understand, you know, you're not talking about Drake Stoops and Gavin Freeman. They're slot. I feel like they're in a different conversation. Um, if you're talking about the most talented wide receivers on the team, you know, I feel like he's probably number four because Stoops and Freeman, in ter- terms of what we're seeing, are getting the most reps, targets, and talent-wise, they are just being gushed about. Um, but still, there's got to be someone on the outside um, from Jalil Farouk. Andrew Anthony should be out there probably whenever it comes down to snap one for the Sooners. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what else are you hearing from around uh, the squad? Yeah, so in terms of injuries, there's a couple of other things that you know we've been looking at. Um, the tight end room is still thin. I, I Jason Llewellyn had foot surgery, and he's just very slowly coming back. Austin Stogner is going to have to be a big-time presence. Um, he's going to not have to flop because we really need a tight end. We don't really have much behind him. Obviously, people talk about Blake Smith. Um, I get that. I We have always talked about him as the club guy. Um, I figure the club is off now. Um, but you never know. You'd hope so. We developed a relationship so. with the club. Um, but, uh, you know, Austin Stogner has been catching some short route, um, routes, according to some of like the um, message boards. Um, and that's what he's going to have to be. Um, but I think like another thing that I've caught out into camp and I'm still trying to kind of grasp and I kind of want your your thoughts on it because I haven't actually figured out who is RB1 on this team and RB2 because – I feel like there hasn't been an actual defined person who is the starting running back who will take the first snap for Oklahoma. It's Gavin Sawchuk or Javante Barnes, but Javante Barnes has been a little deemed up throughout this offseason. And it seems like Gavin Sawchuk has stayed pretty decently healthy. And Gavin Sawchuk seems to be making a lot of big plays. Javante Barnes was kind of slotted in as this, he's going to be the RB1. He's going to take over and, and Sawchuk is going to be the change of pace guy. But I'm telling you, just from terms like we keep on seeing what people are saying about Sawchuk, I would not be surprised at all to see him out there at the first snap for the Sooners. I could see it as well. Um, I think I read somewhere that he picked up a small knock, but he's already back mm-hmm. to it. Um, yeah, I, I mean... I've, I've seen the, I've always mentally seen the two guys as being interchangeable. I think that's more than fine. Um, I think mentally I still have Barnes number one right now, but um, I guess we'll, we'll see. I, um, I don't really know. Uh, If I had to, if I had to go with the first one, you know, just to establish, I think you go Barnes, uh, but we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Um, Mm -hmm. It's definitely not Dalen Smothers. Definitely not Dalen Smothers. Well, Dalen Smothers is back now. He's back, which is great. He's back. So he finally got some sense talked into him, realizing like, hey, freshman, stop leaving like right as soon as you get here. You knew what you came in. And like I said on the pod, like was he kind of concerned that maybe he's behind Tawi Walker? Um, Give respect to Tawi. Tawi's a hell of a player. I've always thought he's one of the most underrated players on this roster. Every time he gets in, I love the way he plays. You're a true freshman. You're very talented. And your senior year of high school, you barely even played, dude. Like you're, you're out for a significant of it. Um, I'm not going to worry too much about that because it seems like he's came back to his senses and that is a great sign. I just found a spider crawling on my ankle. Uh-oh. I'm just going to put that out into the universe right now. If you see me <laughs> squirming, I'm trying to stay cool. I felt something crawling and there was a big spider on need, my ankle. Do you need so, a break to go kill the spider? Or? No, I just yeeted that thing across the room and I'm watching it right now cr- crawl legitimately back towards my area. 
Okay, but I think it's okay. okay. I'm not scared. I'm not scared. I'm not scared. I'll, I'll give you five bucks to uh, kill it with your little Guy Fieri in the background on camera. No, not my little Guy Fieri. Okay, Guy, no. Guy Fieri. Guy Fieri would happily do it. But, <laughs> anyways, no, I I think the running back room is one that I'm genuinely. We're talking about position groups that I'm excited for. That's one that I'm really really pumped about. Um, mm-hmm. And you, you always have to be worried about getting too hype after bowl performances. But I feel like those two guys, you know, and, and Barnes and Sawchuck were just so awesome against Florida State and have promise that we've seen in the past that I'm like, okay, yeah, this is going to be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, I think when it comes down to it, will it matter who much is starting, you know, RB1, RB2 for between Sawchuck and um, Barnes? No. I think they're just going to be a good, really good one-two dynamic duo. Um, I'm not going to compare them to another one-two dynamic duo we've had in the past because I think that's just ridiculous and getting ahead of ourselves. Um, but sure. uh, but I, I don't think that there will be a clear RB1. Um, mm, but maybe um, halfway through the season, I wouldn't be surprised if someone breaks away. But at the beginning of the season, not so much. I agree. It wouldn't be very fair to compare them to Alan Patrick and Moses Madu. That'd be pretty. That's exactly. That's exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> that's what ever. That's what everyone was thinking. So thanks for clearing the air. I just didn't want to say it. So now that evil's on you, Bobby. Um, <laughs> if just they a couple live of... up to Alan Patrick and Moses Madu, I, I apologize. <laughs> oh I love God. both of those guys. By the way, <laughs> they, were, they were great players. Uh, do we want to talk about some of the some position battles going on in the? Uh, Defensive backs, like, what are we feeling? Yes, I feel like let's, let's talk about the safety yeah. room because I think that's a really interesting one. Yeah, we I, went think, from like I think a Billy Bowman to... is for sure slotted, right? You'd think so, right? Like, yes, he, I don't think Billy Bowman. Okay, no, I, I'm I'm not even asking that he's going to be a starter. There's yeah. just no doubt about it. Um, yeah. The big thing is Key Lawrence, you know, has been playing really well in camp, and obviously he's had great, great moments throughout his history at Oklahoma to where, like, we were talking about, could this be the best player on our defense? Um, and he's a very vocal leader, um, which is always very well needed. But the thing is, my favorite player on the defense, and obviously what I saw at Texas Tech last year and then during the spring game is Reggie Pearson. Man, do I love this kid, and I am cheering for him you know, to win that job. But if he doesn't, that tells me a lot that, you know, um, Spider has now disappeared. He's probably moving on to my rug. Um, but uh, <laughs> Yes, but, uh, but Key Lawrence, if, if he's winning that starting job, Oh, that's Oklahoma telling you this is the guy that he's showed you some things and he's doing those things still. This he didn't have like a solidified position, you know, in his time at OU so far. He kind of bounced all over the place. He's settling in right now at free safety. He had this whole offseason. I that's saying that I'm a free safety. I'm not your cornerback. I am the free safety and I am the leader and I'm telling people and they will know it. I think that he will probably come out day one. Um, but man, I, Reggie, Reggie Pearson should get a lot of run too. And he's still going to be a lot of fun. He'll make big plays. Yeah. And I think one thing to me that I'm pumped about, cause I like Pearson a lot, uh, hard hitter, as we know, uh, from being OU fans, um, the amount of depth we have now is awesome. Um, I mean, the amount of times in the past where I believe even like, we had a really bad issue with depth against Texas last year, didn't we? We were mm-hmm. just shuffling dudes around, having no idea what's going on. Having that depth and that stability, you know, if something goes wrong, that's really exciting. Um, and obviously having, you know, talent like Peyton Bowen, you know, next level type guys, that's yeah. that, that helps as well. But more than anything, the depth this year is just awesome. 
Yeah, and the thing is, Peyton Bowen's going to find his way onto the field. He is just absolutely too talented not to. And it seems like he's getting run at Cheetah. And, like, you know what? Whatever. As you're a freshman, get you on the field as much as you can. And then later sophomore year, we'll find a spot for you to find your home. So if that's at Cheetah, I'm happy with that. And a Cheetah is another big-time competition, though I guess we can kind of transition to that. I feel like it would just be a lot of people just kind of coming through. I think that Justin Harrington's going to start their week one, but everyone, whenever you talk about OU and the cheetah position, are going to talk about Desam McCullough because Desam McCullough is just a physical specimen and he's going to be a lot of fun. But I think the way Justin Harrington plays more so in coverage and can't is not as much of a coverage liability. I feel like he will be the safer option than McCullough to start the season. Um, but He's going to have to go out and fight for his job every single game because Desal McCola is going to make the ooh and ah plays whenever he comes in. And it's not going to be, he's not going to probably come with like a second unit per se, but he'll be coming in playing with some of the ones, you know, on the second or, you know, probably the third or fourth drive. And he's going to make plays. They're going to call rushes for him and rotations to make the fans fall in love with him. And I guarantee you there are going to be people saying, even though Harrington's having decent games, he's doing par for the course, um, not really giving up too much. He's in the right place at the right time. I like Desamakola, and I want more snaps out of him. Yeah, he. that's a name we heard a lot in the offseason. And then I, I I don't know if I'm wrong to say that it's kind of tra- like his name's kind of trailed off a little bit I recently. Agree. But it, it kind of has. It, it, this was a this was one of, in my opinion, and what a lot of people thought, one of the bigger transfers uh, of last season. A massive impact at Indiana being a uh, uh, honorable mention all um, uh, big 10 as a true freshman. Um, so yeah, I would, I, I really, it's, he's a guy we're talking about guys. We, we were kind of rooting for, he's a guy I'm really, really rooting for. And I, I as, as a big holder in Desaad McCullough's stock, I might be a little concerned. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It, you, you, you know, it, every camp is kind of different and you never know until, you know, you hit the field and really get things going and, you know, get into conference play properly uh, what you have. But um, right now, a little bit, a little bit nervous to be someone who uh, put all of their, put all of their, you know, life savings into McCullough coin. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, I mean, but it's not a bad problem to have like guys that I feel really good about if they come out of their cheetah, if you want to include those two and then also Peyton Bowen at the three, I think it's going to be a strong position with a lot of rotation, a lot of different looks. Um, and then it'll eventually kind of fall into place of who is the best option for us come later in the season. You know, we say this about like, you know, that cheetah room and definitely, you know, the safety room. Um, there's a couple of rooms that, you know, I'm still like a little worried about that in terms of their production. I feel like have some question marks, but still a little bit of potential at that. I think the interior defensive lineman is what worries me the most, but some people are still going to hype it up. Like what people have been saying, what John Terry looks like, you know, obviously this is a guy that I feel like will get there and become a big time difference maker, but I don't think he even starts week one. Like I think Jordan Kelly from what it seems like has been working with the ones the most at, at nose tackle. And then um, Isaiah Coe at defensive tackle as well. Um, so I, I think those two would be on the inside um, with Laulu and um, John Terry rotating through those positions. Bothroyd on one side of the defensive end and Ethan Downs at the other because it seems like Ethan Downs has been a big time leader within that defensive line. Yeah, 
yeah and i i mean interior yeah that that's always kind of the question mark um has been recently but you know um and i i, I can understand some trepidation with kind of some returning guys you know popping up and can't like that those names kind of popping up that we didn't you know, kind of replace but you know i'm i'm optimistic about the d-line as a whole and i i think it's mainly mainly because of the edge guys like rondell bothroyd um mm-hmm. which obviously doesn't help you inside inside but you know we that that's not something we had before <laughs> that's not something we yes. had last year uh mm-hmm. you know I, i've heard actually a lot of good things about trace ford as well you know hopefully he can stay healthy is his biggest thing um but you know the, the d-line as a whole is going to be different interior maybe not so much yeah and you know our mason thomas too with the like wheels package that we did last year where it was like we need speed because <laughs> reggie grimes and ethan downs are just slow so they bring in the racer like the wheels package for him um yeah. the edge he's, he's i feel, I feel well good too. yes and this is a guy also has been dealt he had the hamstring injury um last year and he's dealing with i think an ankle i think right now but it seems like he's playing through it yeah or like a foot i, I don't know this great part about these things is we hear like very you'll hear lower extremity or upper extremity or serious injury and this is about all you get in terms of college it's not like the nfl where you can dive into every little detail about these injuries you really have to assume a lot of things here but interior i feel like it's got a lot to prove dejon terry has the potential to take that group to be something good and special um but right now i'm still worried that they are one of the weaker links of our team yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think that's um, that's going to be, be the case until we get guys like David Stone and, you know, um, you know, some some heavy hitters in. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, I understand you wanted to fill the blank with Nwaneri, but don't, I did. don't do it, Bobby. I did. Don't, don't do it. Um, so other than that, um, we're coming up so close to time to break down this team, Bobby. And we kind of gave you a little bit of a kind of insider to what we'll be doing in future episodes. Um, But we'll be breaking down the offense, giving our kind of projected depth chart, talking about each position as a whole and as well with the defense. And you know what? Screw it. We might even add a little bit of special teams because it's special teams isn't clear. (laughs) There's like, honestly, punting, kicking and kickoff return. They obviously, I feel like there's some obvious answers there, but we can still actually talk about it for a little bit. So it's August 14th, like counting down the weeks. We are so, so close. You know, we've got under three weeks. So we're going to start breaking down these things and letting y'all know who do we think is going to come out there and snap one on week one. Yeah. I mean, we are, like you said, we're really close. I mean, podcast listeners, uh, this, this comes out the next day after we record, we're 11 days away from the week zero games. That's how close we are. Um, 12 if you're listening live, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's coming fast and I'm really excited to uh, get together, break everything down as we always do with uh, you and Ty, get the full squad going for that. And, you know, finally start talking about some damn football, so much mm. realignment, so much recruiting stuff and, you know, no, no dig on the recruiting stuff, but the actual football stuff oh it's it's just nothing nothing beats it so um got that coming up um and uh yeah for for the for you proper proper college football sickos blake and i have a group of five uh, preview coming up uh this week should drop on wednesday and then um yeah doing our 
our standard Big 12 top 10, top 10 now, not not overall rankings. Uh, that's coming on the 20th. And then um, week zero, man, it, it's 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 all happening. So mm-hmm. uh, looking forward to yeah. getting into the Looking forward to getting into the grind. I know a lot of y'all listening right now are some of our loyal listeners, but if you're just coming through and you've listened to us in the past and you maybe you cut, kind of took a break from us through the off season, I get it. You can't take OU football 24-7 and we're recording every single week. I understand why you take a break. But right now we are putting our gear, talking about this Oklahoma football team. So go back, resubscribe, and get your reminders back on with the notification bell for our episodes because you don't want to be the guy that comes around Whenever it's OU football season, that's the talk of the town because in the fall, you know, when college football season starts, everyone wants to know who's who in terms of Oklahoma. Make sure you listen to our podcast. Even if you know that, get your brain turning, hear those names over and over so you know you're the guy at the water cooler. You're the guy in your friend's group text that knows what's going on and is not surprised by who's trotting out onto the field when it comes week one. Absolutely. Yeah. No, this is this is a time, you know. This is the time for it. You know, no more bye-bye Big 12s. We're locking in on on college football season, getting to, getting into the meat and potatoes here. So definitely hit that subscribe button. Uh, check us out on, on YouTube, all that good stuff, as Jameson said. Um, so, yeah, it's the time. And we are we're ready for an awesome season. We're we're going to be we're going to be putting out some good content. So make sure to check it out. Um, but yeah, Jameson, I think that's uh, just about it for this episode of Schooner Pod. Um, so yeah, let's, let's wrap this thing up. Thank you all so much for watching, listening, wherever you, uh, you, you caught this. We appreciate you for sure. And, uh, looking forward to diving into this season with you, uh, having a lot, probably hopefully better times than last year, hopefully way better times than we, uh, experienced today with the Williams Dwayne, but you know, we're optimistic. So until then, everybody have a great one and boomer sooner, everyone. Mm-hmm.